All right, and welcome back to the program. This is Gesundheit with Jacobus. I am your host, Jacobus Holloway. We are talking with Eric Newhouse, uh, investigative reporter, crusading reporter, journalist, crusading journalist for the Great Falls Tribune, uh, somebody who has been able to live his passion and to write about things he has. He has earned a reputation, and he is writing about what he loves to talk about. And this is not just love to talk about. This is something that really goes to his heart and is something that worries him, and he feels that it needs attention. And then he jumps on it, and he has written a book about alcoholism, and he has written a new book. It's called Faces of Combat, a one journalist's crusade to improve treatment for our veterans. Faces of Combat, PTSD, and TBI, Traumatic Brain Injuries. The book is uh, from Idle Idle Arbor. It sells for $18, and you can uh, get that if you go to his website. And uh, Eric, I got to ask you, so his website is ericnewhouse.com. Eric, is the book available at Barnes & Noble's, Borders, any of those places? Oh, yeah. It's available through uh, Amazon.com. It's available through Barnes & Noble, uh, and I assume the other bookstores. I know Barnes & Noble has it, so that's a good place to go. Right, and I highly recommend it because uh, when you go to the already to the first chapter, you you it's it's you read thirteen pages and you go like that was thirteen pages. It just reads so easily because you just right away you're involved in the book, and I appreciate that, Eric. And thank you so much for doing your work, uh, that work, and and for your passion for these type type of topics. Well, it's a it's a pleasure, Jacobus. You and I were talking a moment ago uh, before that break. Uh, you had asked me about uh, the violence uh, in the video games and on television yes. uh, and how that played into um, latter-day combat. And I was I was beginning to tell you when that break came up uh, about a colonel who, had, uh, who was in charge of training uh, young soldiers at West Point uh, how to kill. And he found the perfect uh, training tool. It uh, honed their reflexes. Uh, it desensitized them from the sight of uh, and the sound of blood and killing. And it rewarded them for killing. Mm. It's called Nintendo. And it's available to every American teenager in the country. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, but the second thing that I think is important about this uh, is that there is a lot of uh, question and concern about PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, and it is clear that PTSD builds with, uh, with increased, um, stress as there is increasing combat, um, post-traumatic stress disorder is more likely to occur. Yeah. Uh, and I wonder, uh, whether some, and there's a, a question of why some soldiers are more resilient to it than others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what I wonder is whether there are soldiers who have trauma in their backgrounds uh, and it, it's lying there latent, but uh, when they get into combat, then it, it kicks up again and makes them more vulnerable to post-traumatic stress disorder. Right, okay. And I don't think anybody has really studied uh, soldiers and the mental condition that they come into combat with, uh, come into the Guard or into the Army with. And I think that's something that we're going to need to do. I think as a nation, we're going to need a baseline now looking at 
the emotional health of our of our soldiers before they go into combat yes. to see uh, which ones are, are potentially vulnerable, which ones uh, we need to be uh, very careful with, uh, and which ones we should not overload. You know, that's interesting that you bring that up. Uh, that is actually the article that my daughter sent me. It's called, uh, was written yesterday, it was produced yesterday by Alicia Chang, the AP mm-hmm. science writer, and it's called Military Experiment Seeks to Predict PTSD. So they're trying to, um, it's it's an article, and it says over here, uh, two days before shipping off to war, Marine uh, Private Jesse Sheets sat inside a trailer at the Mojave Desert, his gaze fixed on a computer that flashed a rhythmic pulse of contrasting images, smiling kids embracing a soldier. A dog sniffing blood oozing from a corpse. Movie star Cameron Diaz posing sideways in a midriff top. Troops cowering for safety during an ambush. A doctor tracked his stress levels and counted the number of times he blinked. Electrode wires dangling from his left eye and right pinky finger. Sheets is part of a military experiment to try to predict who's most at risk for post-traumatic stress disorder. Understanding underlying triggers might help reduce the burden of those who return psychologically wounded if they can get early help. PTSD is a crippling condition that can emerge after a terrifying event, car accident, sexual assault, terrorist attack, or combat. It is thought to affect as many as one in five veterans returning from Afghanistan and Iran. So anyway, the article goes on, but that was kind of the beginning of the article. And uh, so this kind of ties in with what you just mentioned. Yes, it absolutely do. absolutely does, and it's something that we need to be doing. Yes. I'm glad to see that the Army is uh, is beginning to do some baseline testing because it's uh, it's absolutely critical. Um, then we need to follow it with testing after these kids get back. Uh, yes. Frequently, um, post-traumatic stress disorder doesn't occur until uh, oh, five or six, four, three or four or five, six months after... Um, these kids get back uh, when they discover that they really don't fit into the society that they left. Uh, I talked with a uh, with a Vietnam vet uh, who told me that uh, one day he was uh, uh, one day he was in Vietnam uh, and on patrol. <laughs> then uh, that evening they flew him home. He flew into uh, Seattle, and the next morning uh, he was. Uh, down in New Mexico, um, and in 24 hours, uh, he had he had changed from a warrior in Vietnam uh, to an ex-warrior at home in I think Albuquerque. Yeah. And uh, he remembers taking a shower that morning and washing the dust of Vietnam off his body, uh, and thinking, uh, "There goes two years of my life down the drain." Wow. Uh, but when he got home, he discovered that he wasn't that same person who left. Uh, he was having bacon and eggs that first morning huh. um, and looked outside and saw a school bus full of children uh, going off to school. And he remembers thinking to himself uh, that it was interesting to him that he would be less concerned about whether that school bus blew up and all those kids were killed than he would be about whether the hash browns were uh, were warm and were served with ketchup. Huh. <laughs> yes, isn't that something? Yeah, it 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 is uh, a frightening thing. 
Yes, it is. Post-traumatic stress disorder uh, is a very, very difficult thing to understand. Uh, our doctors and psychiatrists and uh, psychologists really have not uh, uh, an adequate idea of what it is or why it happens. Uh, basically, it seems to be a normal reaction to uh, <clears throat> to stress. Uh, if, for instance, uh, I'm walking down a street and somebody jumps out of an alley and uh, flashes a pistol uh, and tells me he's going to shoot me. Um, all kinds of things happen within my body, uh, and I'm on hyper alert immediately. Um, but then the guy goes back uh, into the alley, and I don't see him again, and I'm hyper alert for a while. But um, I'm basically um, calming down, and after a couple of minutes, uh, my breathing is normal, my pulse rate is normal, uh, my heart rate is normal. I'm, I'm back to myself again, but the kids who come back you know, with prolonged periods of combat uh, come back hyper alert always. Yeah. Uh, they are, even in the safest of settings, uh, they're convinced that uh, they're going to be ambushed, they're going to be attacked, uh, there is a threat out there. Um, they're constantly checking rooftops for snipers, they're constantly looking at windows to see if somebody's pointing a gun at them, yeah. they're constantly checking exits, uh, trying to figure out how to get out of harm's way. Uh, when they drive, they're likely to drive 90 miles an hour because uh, you know, slow drivers die in, uh, in Iraq, uh, speed is your friend. Uh, they may be driving down the other side of the road uh, to confuse the enemy sniper uh, who's aiming at them uh, in a normal conventional lane of traffic. If there's uh, a trash can or a dead animal beside the road, they figure it may be uh, bombed uh, or wired, and they will swerve to get around it. Yeah. We, as as uh, normal civilians, need to realize that, that we are going to see abnormal behavior as these kids come home, and we are going to need to understand it and deal with it and find ways to get those guys help. Because for them, it's a totally natural thing to be doing, uh, even though it's totally abnormal in our society. Eric, is it, uh, in your research, is it uh, different today than it was, uh, let's say, after the First or Second World War that we experienced? <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Post-traumatic stress has been around ever since uh, ever since men fought. Yeah. Uh, in fact, there is a fascinating story uh, yeah, that came out a week or two ago. Um Sophocles was a Greek general who also wrote uh, a couple hundred plays. Seven of them survived today, uh, and two of them actually uh, have to do with warriors returning from combat. Uh, and uh, described post-traumatic stress disorder pretty succinctly and pretty well. And the army is now beginning to put on two of those plays by Sophocles, to returning combat vets uh, to show them that this is normal uh, and has been uh, uh, a part of our culture for thousands of years. Oh. Um, it's too early yet to know how it's working because this is just something that they've started doing. But yeah, it's been around forever. Hmm. The difference is that uh, uh, in previous wars, we were fighting you know, an organized army. 
uh, fighting across the line. Exactly. World War One and World War Two. Yes. Uh, you were in foxhole shooting at people with uniforms uh, that were different than yours. Yes. Today uh, we're in a guerrilla warfare, as we were in Vietnam, uh, and you don't know who the enemy is. You may be walking down the street uh, and a young lady, you uh, uh, know, in a, uh, in a um, a gown or a cloak uh, passes you and nods, uh, and she may uh, go five steps, turn around, pull a gun out, and, uh, and try to kill you. Yes. Kids may uh, try to kill you. Yes. And so the guys that are out there have to be alert against everything all the time, and they may end up shooting yes. uh, unarmed children or unarmed women that they think uh, are suspicious. Uh, they may take a gesture wrong and, and uh, kill someone. Yeah, they may actually. Uh, I, I'm told of uh, free fire zones uh, where everybody is considered to be an enemy, and soldiers can go in and you know, basically kill everyone. Uh, you know. So it's a it's a totally different warfare, uh, and it uh, we also you know during World War One and World War Two um, had R and R rest and recreation. Pull a guy out of the line, send him to Hawaii, give him a week on the beach uh, to recover, then put him back into combat. Yes. These guys uh, are out in Iraq and Afghanistan now for 12 months um, just uh, with combat that may be, uh, you know, it may be um, two or three or four or five times a day that they're shooting someone or being shot at. Yeah. Uh, this goes on for 12 months, uh, and um, 10 days before they're scheduled to go home, they get an extension of duty, uh, and they're held in position for another three months. Yeah. You know, that that um, uncertainty uh, and the, the amount of combat is unprecedented, yeah. uh, and we're seeing unprecedented amounts of uh, numbers of kids who are coming home with emotional injuries. Mm-hmm. The Rand Corporation suggested in a report a year ago that one in three American soldiers, American combat vets, uh, is likely to come home with post-traumatic stress disorder, with traumatic brain injury, or with major depression. Mm-hmm. So severe that it will require treatment for a period of time, perhaps yeah. for the, the soldier's entire life. Yes. And that is not just the soldier itself, it's also the people surrounding that soldier. It's there it could be the wife, the girlfriend, the parents, uh the, 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 the elephant exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it is yeah. it is such a uh, it is such a uh deep and and, and, and wide ranging group of people who are affected by uh those who come back. Yes, it absolutely is. Mm. Um I talked with uh uh, a couple up here, uh, Dave and Daniel Belcher, uh, and Dave was, uh, he'd been over in the Persian Gulf, um, he'd, he'd been, uh, uh, I think he'd been a gunner on one of the uh, uh, tanks, and then after they'd uh, shot tanks up, uh, he and his men would get out uh, and go down trenches, uh, shooting and killing people that uh, that were uh, enemies in the trenches. Uh, it was a dangerous way to live, and he was highly stressed a lot of the time. When he came home, uh, uh, he had a huge load of anger. Um, he was hyper 
her that was a terrible thing. Mm -hmm. He uh, would blow up uh, without provocation. Uh, his wife never knew when it was coming. Uh, he would scream, rage, yell, throw things, rip telephones out of the wall. Um, he would threaten her, never actually hit her, but he, uh, he, he would you know, get in her face and, and uh, scream at her. Um, she lived in fear of him for the first couple of years uh, and then finally said to him, I can't stand this anymore. You need to move out. You need a safe place. So we got an apartment uh, about two blocks away from uh, from um, the home that he had lived in uh, with his wife and daughter. Daniel. And, mm -hmm. and yep, Daniel. And uh, he uh, uh, has really improved since then. They've uh, changed the meds for him. Uh, he's, he's not had a meltdown in a while. Uh, uh, every time he felt one going, uh, beginning to come on, he'd go off to his uh, apartment and, uh, and calm down there. And life was getting better, but Danielle couldn't forgive him. Uh, she had this, uh, you know, this ongoing anxiety. And when I talked to them, uh, I finally looked at her and said, "You know, you have secondary post-traumatic stress disorder." And she said, "Yeah, I think I do." I said, "You need to see uh, uh, a counselor yes. uh, and get that resolved." She uh, she agreed, but she resisted for probably four months. Uh, she she couldn't bring herself to do it. And finally, I said to her, "If you have a choice between feeling happy and a choice between feeling angry, why do you choose anger?" And she couldn't answer that. So she huh. finally uh, went to counseling and began to take her daughter. And uh, the next time I saw her, she gave me a hug and thanked me and said uh, she was feeling so much better. And it really was uh, a wonderful feeling. Hmm. Wow, what a Help story! Help is there. Yeah. Help but, is there. Yeah. Help is there, uh, but the families need it as much as the warriors. Yeah. Uh, Eric uh, Newhouse is my guest today on Gesundheit with Jacobus. Uh, you are listening to a, a live interview here, and we appreciate you with us. I think, indeed, that one of the things that, that Eric discusses in his book, uh, uh, Faces of Combat, uh, uh, PTSD and Traumatic Brain Injury, uh, a journalist crusade to improve treatment for our veterans is that you're dealing indeed with a different state when you're dealing with Montana versus uh, some of the bigger cities. And so apparently we seem to have more people from rural states go to combat. And so um, it, it, we all have a story to tell. We have a lot of family values. And at the same time, uh, when we come back, when, when soldiers come back from the war, it seems there is a lot of stress, a lot of anger, a lot of uh, readjusting to to life. So uh, we have a caller who would like to get in touch with you, Eric. Uh, caller, good morning. Thank you for joining. Your name, please. How can we help you? Good morning. My name is John. Hello, John. Uh, I would like to ask Eric, um, now that women um, are um, engaged in the combat and right there up on the front lines, is there a, um, is there a propensity for uh uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome for women, uh, and how are they handling it? Is it are the women uh, experiencing experiencing more than men? Um, can you give me any uh, facts on this, or you know, an answer to that? Yeah, I absolutely can. Uh, women are are much much more at risk uh, than men are. We were as a gender. Uh, men have been hunters and gatherers, uh, and we have typically protected uh, our spouses uh, who were to be the nurturers uh, 
in our society. We've put these women into a role that's very different from anything that they have seen, uh, and they have a greater cultural gap uh, going into combat and coming out of combat than anything that uh, uh, that men have. In uh, addition, there is a second factor that uh, yeah, that is horribly, horribly troubling, uh, and that is um, that the women, men in combat do unconscionable things, uh, and they may do them to other women, even uh, you know, their colleagues. Many of the women who come back from combat talk about the pornography that they see uh, uh, in the barracks, talk sure. about uh, trying to be... Uh, Trying to be close to men without being sexually active with them, sure. uh, and talk about uh, uh, rape or talk about uh, sexual abuse. Mm. Uh, there is, uh, in fact, it's become so common that it's called. Uh, yeah, there's a term for it. It's uh, it's military sex abuse or military MST, something like that. Right. But it it is a whole phenomenon now that. Uh, and they're estimating that uh, that up to 70% of the female soldiers um, come back and have experienced some form of uh, of sexual abuse so, um, by the time they return. Right. Um, the restrictions that are being put on the soldiers, um, starting, uh, I think, basically in Vietnam and also in the current yeah. conflict, um, that has a lot to do with it. In the Second World War, um, especially, you you knew who your enemy was, and you and there was no quarter. And I yeah. think that helped re- uh, relieve a lot of that that stress. Uh, and now um, it's you know the winning of the hearts and minds and patrolling through the streets of villages like we did in Vietnam, and we yeah. were totally restricted. You just didn't know who was going to fire upon you, and that. Mm-hmm. That caused me to be an angry young man when I came back. Uh, uh, I can I can remember that. And I'd like to ask my Mr. Jacobus one thing. In his uh, store, do you carry breadfruit tea? What tea? Breadfruit. Bloodroot. Yes, I oh, do. No, I, no, I, no, 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 no. Breadfruit. How do you spell that? B r e a d f r u i t. Breadfruit. No, I never heard of it. Uh, supposedly um, uh, a good tea for um, a high blood pressure. I just wanted to throw that at you because I was going to stop by your store. Oh, well, thank you very much, John. I appreciate that. Let me look into that. Okie doke, sir. All uh, right. Thanks for taking my call. It's a great yes. show. I appreciate that, and I hope you continue listening till 11. You betcha. Thanks, John. Okay. All right, uh, folks, uh, you are listening to Gesundheit with Jacobus and uh, Eric Newhouse, um, a journalist, an investigative journalist, who wrote a phenomenal book. He lives in Great Falls, right here in Montana. Great book, Faces of Combat, PTSD, and Traumatic Brain Injury. When we come back, we have two more hours to go. Stay tuned. We will be right back. This is Gesundheit with Jacobus. Health Talk Radio.